Well, welcome to another podcast. We took a week off last week, and, and now we're back to normal. Just just so you're aware, this week we're back into normal services. Uh, 9 o'clock and 10.30 are service times. The Zoom service, or the the live stream service, <laughs> not Zoom service. The live stream service will, will be at 9 o'clock, but of course you can watch it anytime. It'll be on YouTube as well. And so I encourage you, if, if you feel comfortable, come out. Uh, typically our second service is less full than our first service. And there's kids' activities in, in the second service. And then there will be also, uh, I believe, a couple Sunday schools at 1015, uh, Judy Tools class, and, and Bob Seraldi is teaching a class in the Family Life Center. So things are slowly starting to come back to a little bit of, of normalcy. And so just pray that we continue to be able to move in that way. And so uh, we're in the Amazed series. We're talking about Elijah. And we have one more week. We'll be talking about uh, Chariot of Fire on on sunday but uh we, we've been working through 17 18 19 uh successive chapters in first kings and and so josh why don't you give a little bit of the background of the series yeah so uh series is called amazed and uh the kind of the idea is um when we look at how god works in the lives of his people specific people um some pretty amazing things happen and so specifically we're looking at the life of elijah and, uh, and the prophet, and so he does some pretty amazing things, but the kind of the point of this is that it's God doing the amazing things through him, right? And not his kind of his special skills or uh, his superhuman skills. powers. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, I have some special skills. <laughs> he has special skills for sure, but they come from God, right? And so uh, we, we point back to God. And so uh, we, we, we went through... Uh, I, Two weeks ago, I don't, I don't, I don't know where we're at. Some, however many weeks ago, we started by Elijah just waiting, right, and preparing, and uh, just kind of holding out in the midst of the uh, the drought and the famine, and and so, uh, and then it was time for him to go. And so this week we're going to kind of combine two different weeks because we skipped last week. And so, uh, Mara, take us over. All right, so a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about today is going to come um, straight out of 1 Kings 18 and 19, which both of those chapters are very kind of narrative informing, mean, like where you're kind of seeing the story happen bit by bit. Um, but just to kind of refresh your memory, within those chapters is when um, Elijah has his showdown kind of with Ahab, the prophets of Baal. Um, the prophets of Baal have an opportunity to pray to Baal, ask for fire, nothing happens. And then Elijah prays and God does send down fire. And in that is, is kind of winning back the hearts of his people, kind of revealing to them where, where they've gone astray and calling them back to himself. Um, we've got some other big moments where Elijah is also, um, he kind of flees from Jezebel again. And at this point, he's basically asking God, he's just saying, I'm ready to die. And God tells him, like, take a nap. He sends him a snack, those kinds of things to kind of just bring Elijah back, back to um, where he needs to be. And um, the Lord actually appears to Elijah in this. And it's interesting because it sends like a fire. He sends an earthquake. He sends the rushing wind and all of those things that says the Lord was not in that. But instead, he appeared to him in just this gentle whisper. So I think what's easy to do when we talk about Elijah is get really focused on all of those really big, amazing events and miss that so many of those came out of just small moments that kind of piece together as part of a larger narrative. And I really feel like that's where um, I see us in the story is that sometimes there's those small moments you don't know what to do with that little whisper, that little thing, um, but we don't wanna miss where God is speaking and moving 
and calling us to also join with him. And so as we've, we've moved through this, we, we, see, um, we see a lot of waiting. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of um, um, waiting for God to move, e- even in the parts where, where Elijah is going, where he's having this great showdown with the, the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. Uh, there is, he's waiting for God. You know, they're, they're going through all their gyrations and, and, and he's waiting for, for God to move. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's some question in some of our notes about the bells and the Asherah. Uh, the, the bells typically represented regional gods. And so the, the, this is not a, uh, you know, so if, if you lived in uh, Dublin, uh, you know, uh, 1,500 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago, mo- most likely they would have a, a different God than people that lived in, in Marysville because it, they would develop their own uh, gods and goddesses. And so the bells would, would be these gods when, when the Israelites would move into areas, uh, these regional people would have gods they worshipped. And typically, unfortunately, typically, the, the Israelites would take on those bells uh, in their own worship, and, and in a lot of ways, it's just hedging their bets. You know, okay, right. this this is the god of this area. Well, let's go ahead and worship this god. And, yeah. they, and they tended to see God as in, in, in regional ways in many of these cultures. The Asherah is is not a regional god. Asherah was a significant god, uh, a competing god, um, in in the time of Israel, and uh, and so uh, th- this was a, you know, I believe fertility God, uh, uh, something of that nature. And, and it was a God in which they offered human sacrifices. And so this, this was a very, very difficult God mm-hmm. that, that they would, false God that they would worship. And so we, we find in this showdown that, that it's God showing that he is God. Yeah. Uh, you know, j- j- much like you see in, in the plagues with um, Moses, uh, all those, even though they seem minor, uh, you know, you know, fleas, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I've been plagued with gnats. Uh, you know, they, these were all direct attacks on right. those gods. Right. And, and so we find um, Elijah in this battle uh, with the bells. He's battling the regional gods and he's battling the significant Asherah, uh, who, who they tended to worship for, for years and years. Um, what do you guys see in that? What, what's significant? Or, or, or how do you think that relates to our, our day-to-day life? One thing I thought was really interesting is um, some of the reading I was doing, the way that they worshipped these, these Baals, Asher, so much of it focused on like getting that God's attention yeah. through, I mean, through just horrible acts of sacrifice and these things that they would do, the way, like, and it all focused, yeah, just on getting this God's attention and keeping this God happy. And I think it's so interesting that that contrasts so much with, with how God sees us, like the we don't have to get his attention. Like we are, we're so precious in his sight and he like, we don't need to get his attention. We aren't trying to keep him happy and to placate him with, with ours. Like he just wants our hearts. Yeah. And I think it's just such a, a different way of, of worshiping when you're not just trying to make someone happy and get their attention. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, that's so prevalent in, uh, in the old Testament. Uh, of these ideas of lots of gods and um, and truthfully when we look at some of the ways in scripture that the people of God interact with God like the one true Yahweh like there's a lot of that carryover like where the things that they do are because they, they're in this 
uh, culture where you have to appease the gods, right? Like you have to get their attention and appease their gods. And so there's these things where, <laughs> where the people of God are, are doing crazy things and you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, like with, with this understanding of, you know, you do good and God will be pleased and will do good things and, and you do bad and then bad things will happen. And so there's just, I think that's a huge, yeah, that idea of getting the God's attention versus a God who loves and admires and yeah is focused on, on us. Who writes our name on his hands. Right. Um, For he sure. does the things that, that are difficult to reach us. You know, I, I think the, the one thing to see with this is typically when the people of Israel worshipped other gods, they didn't worship them alone. Uh, it, it's not that they would completely, sometimes they would, they would yeah. lose focus on God. But typically they would still acknowledge temple. Sure. They would acknowledge sure. God, Yahweh. But then they'd worship these other gods kind of to hedge their bets. And, and I, I believe that probably that is more consistent with our culture yeah. and, and how we worship God at times sure. than we would admit. We wouldn't call them gods. We wouldn't say we worship them. Uh, but, but, it, but this ideal of trying to get the attention, <laughs> to get the favor of things other than God, yeah. let, let's face mm-hmm. it, there's lots of things that, that we do. Uh, it may be a job. It may be finances. It, it, it may be uh, friends or family yeah. or power or pleasure or the need for significance. Uh, you know, we, we do. <laughs> In my life, there's been times where I've caused self-harm seeking other gods uh, and you know god invites us to this place of resting in him and allowing him to be god to to, to wait and see that i am god and it's so significant in this portion of scripture this waiting and seeing that he's god and so uh, th- these passages sometimes they feel like they're out of date but they're not uh, they're they're dead on people are people three thousand years ago 2500 years ago 500 years ago now People are people, right. and we respond in many of the typical ways. Um, so we have this season of waiting and preparing uh, before God sent him to Ahab again. Ahab again. Um, how do we know when it's time to go? So, so he, he finally goes. How do we know it's time to go? How, how do you sense in your life it's time to go? I know, I feel like, I'm like I wish that part hadn't been left out because Elijah just says, says, like, okay, it's time to talk to Ahab. But, like, how did he know? I mean, he's been sitting here with the widow, with her son, like, just, and then just one day decided that, or felt that it was, that season was over. And I don't know, I feel like there's been seasons in my life where I've felt like, it's almost like this unrest. Like, okay, I can't put my finger on it yet. I feel like things are changing. I feel mm-hmm. like, and so it kind of starts to come into focus. So sometimes I feel like for me, I start to feel that, urge when like, okay, staying still is no longer working. It's no longer comfortable. It's going to actually start to hurt me more if I try to keep doing things exactly the same way. And so I feel like for me, that's kind of been a clue sometimes like, okay, it's time to start moving. It's time because I can't keep staying here. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had a really good answer for that. (laughs) Um, I think one of the things that has helped me and maybe a little foreshadowing into what we're going to talk about uh, maybe towards the end of this is just uh, other people or kind of mentors and and uh, wise counsel, if you will, just kind of that. Because truthfully, I, I don't know because <laughs> there's those moments where you're like, 
man, I, I need to go. Like I need to, I need to do this. And the truth is it's, it is a time for waiting, but I want to go. And other times it's time to go where I just, I'm comfortable and I want to, I want to wait. And so I think really not leaving it up to my own <laughs> interpretation or, or feelings uh, is probably a good, a good thing. Um, yeah, there's so much balance in this life that, that, it's important to live with that balance, the, the balance between waiting and going, the, the, the balance between listening and speaking, the, the, the balance between, uh, you know, I think God gives us even some freedom to, to do things in our Absolutely. own way. Yes. And uh, uh, with him, you, know, you guiding us, not that we do our own thing. but uh, yeah. And so there's so much balance in this. And, and what, what I've found in my life is most of the time, Everything's not all waiting. Everything's not all going. <laughs> yeah. there, there's an aspect of going and our waiting, and there's an aspect of waiting and our going. Sure. Uh, and I think you sure. see that in this story. So it's easy, you know, it worked out good for the series that you know, okay, wait, <laughs> yeah, let's sure. go. Yeah. But but you know, there's there's even um, you know when when he's waiting, he's still going. He's still serving. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't stop. Uh, you know, waiting does not mean. I'm doing nothing. You know, it's not sitting in our easy chair yeah, watching sure. sports, uh, sure. watching TV. And then he's going. He's still for waiting sure. for God to move. Yeah. Um, and it, it, so, so I think there's a balance to this. And, and maybe maybe I should have stated that before I asked the question. But, but, but I think that we get so caught up. Is this a waiting period or is this a going period? No, this is an obedient period. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Every period we yeah. find ourselves in, it's just listen to God's voice. And, and however he tells you to go go. Uh, I, I think the question becomes, how do we hear God's voice? Um, and, and we'll get more into that a, a little bit later. Uh, you wrote down here, Mari, you talked about Elijah dumping the water on the sacrifice. It's like God showing off. Um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think if there's been anything in my life like this, where I've done something. You know, I, I, I think sometimes God moves in ways that... Um, that you can't help but say that was God. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't say that I've ever assisted in that. It's like it's, it's not like, hey, I'm going to see how bad I can make this situation, <laughs> right? So that God can <laughs> show how good really he is. Gonna, I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> so, so I, I had, I do, I have trouble with that too. What do you, what do you do with that? Right. Um, Which again, I kind of trust. I think God was probably directing him. In that, like, I don't know that Elijah came up with that idea all on his own. But yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. It's like, okay, well, if God doesn't want me to do this, then he's really, okay, I'm driving in my car, but he's going to have to stop my car. Oh, okay, God really doesn't want me to do this. He's like, like where I'm like actively working against and just being like, okay, well, I know God could do it if he, like, and so I was thinking about, are there times when I just continue to do things my way with kind of that caveat of, well, if this really isn't what God wants for me, he's going to intervene in a big way and like make that impossible. So if God really wants me to go on this mission trip, even if I put water in my gas tank, right? <laughs> it's the car's going to run. <laughs> you know, good way to do it, I guess. So yeah, but I think some of this was also God showing that his, um, his power over even natural limits, like wet wood doesn't burn, but like God's fire isn't natural fire either. Like, and so right. like there was an extent that, um, yeah, he was showing like it was, there's no way that Elijah accidentally like sparked that on the side. Like th- there was going to be no explanation yeah. for this other than a move of yeah. God. And, and maybe they needed that. Yeah. So, it t- I mean, it took, it took away all possibility that it was, that the attention or the credit went to Elijah. Sure. And so, like we said, with with the uh, the title of the series, "Amazed," is that it's 
God that's doing the amazing things, not um, not us. And so, yeah, so with those crazy things, like there was no chance that this was Elijah. So again, I don't, I don't know if that was Elijah kind of testing God to show off or if it was, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. All right. Honestly, Elijah just kind of looking foolish in front of a lot of these people too. I mean, I feel like sure. he had to be taking on a lot of laughter and mocking <laughs> as he's, as he's pouring sure. water on something that he intends to have burned. Right. But then he, he gives it back a little bit too. He makes oh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. must be a sleep. Or, <laughs> <laughs> you talk pretty louder. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, There's definitely a little mockery. There. <laughs> you, you talked about, or we, we, we didn't really talk about this, but when Ahab sees Elijah, he, he calls uh, Elijah this troubler of Israel. When, when the problem's not Elijah, the problem is Ahab and his wife, Jezebel. And, and, and so there's this ideal that, you know, it's very easy to blame other people for our problems. Um, how, do we, um, how do we achieve this place where we, um, we accept our own problems, our own um, our own uh, being the source of many of the issues that we're, we're dealing with. I think it comes down to identity. Um, we're able, I'm able to be humble enough to admit my shortcomings when I also understand that those shortcomings don't take away who I am in Christ. Mm. Um, and so if I am, if I am comfortable with, the fact that I'm a child of God and I'm beloved by God, then it's easier for me to say, oh, this is my shortcoming. This is my failure as opposed to putting that blame on someone else. Um, if I'm always trying to appease the gods or you know, appease God or based on my, my goodness or my lack of failure, then failure like a point of failure is devastating to me because that means that god is no longer pleased by me uh, and so then the last thing i want to do is accept that and so i i kind of push that off on someone else and that, that makes sense what i feel like i'm blabbing a little bit no, that's good <laughs> that's good yeah it's um when you're talking about that I, i'm thinking about then how god responds to us where, where god through paul says in my weakness i am strong right so you know that's a complete reversal for sure of, of the worship of the bells and the bells yeah. it's it, where i'm strong you can use me yeah right and paul uh, god through paul says where you're weak i can use you so i i want not just your strengths and your gifts mm -hmm. i want your weaknesses and, and i would i would say uh, your failures as well um, yeah for sure I, I i've said for a long time and i've not preached it but i want to preach a series on failure because I think how we handle failure. Um, now, I, I just read um, John Acuff's book, and, and he, he would say that I'm full of it when I, when I say this. <laughs> but I think how we handle failures are more important than how we handle successes, or at least how we handle them. I'm not, maybe, maybe successes are as important as failures, but, but how you handle your failures is more important or as important as how you, how you handle your successes. Number one, you can, if you don't, and when you handle failures, if you don't identify your role in the failure, you're not handling yeah, it. Right, you're, you're, right. you're, you're, you're 
pointing the finger yeah. at somebody else. Which doing of course, what you, have. you know, the classic thing is where you're pointing three fingers at yourself. <laughs> and you do that. Um, uh, the way around that is you point at people. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. My, me and my brothers and sisters learned that <laughs> way right. early. Yeah. 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 It was you, fingers. Elijah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's why so many, I think that maybe that's like the whole, like when you're yeah. public speaking, you do the open hands that's right. thing. That's right. That's always, right. Yeah. That's right. You don't want to take any chances no, on anything no, coming no. back. <laughs> yeah. Hey, when, you're, when you're preaching and you get up there and you start talking about stuff, God always brings to mind the sure. dumb stuff you've done. Yeah. And it's like, are you really preaching that? <laughs> or you stop preaching that, go pray. And, uh, That's true. Because uh, inevitably when I'm talking about something, God's like in my mind saying, you need to really deal yeah. with this, don't you? Yeah. yeah. No, but I think that's so important because honestly, I mean, a life lived in our own strength, a life that is, that we live just according to all of the constraints that we like see and is not a life that's lived surrendered to God. It's a life that if I can figure this out, I can do it. And I mean, there's, there's no room, there's no purpose for God in your life. If you're consistently and determined to just do things that you can see how to do them and you know how to do this and you don't need anybody's help and you don't need anything. That's, I, that's, I, that's yep. the opposite of, right. of a surrendered life. That's an interesting phrase. I, and it, when you said it, it just kind of hit me. Uh, life lived in our own strength. Well, that's the only strength we have. So, mm-hmm. so what? it's not that we don't live in our own strength, but it's our strength submitted to his strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you, you know, and I understand what you, you yeah, mean yeah. by that, but you know, it just, just kind of hits me it hit me as you was talking about that, that, you know, there's this, you know, God doesn't do it for us. He does it through us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that means that whatever I have, I just submit to him. Uh, and it, that's preacher talk and preacher <laughs> podcast talk. Easier said than done at right. times. Yeah. You know, all, all of us have those struggles with that. Yeah. But, but God's, God's desire is for me to take my ups, my downs, my good, my bad, my strengths, my weaknesses, mm-hmm. and just give them to him yeah. and allow him to use them how he, he will. And, and he's able to weave something out of that yeah. that I can't. And, and he does that with Elijah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I saw one of these mantras this week and it said something like, and it was kind of cute and you read it and you're like, oh, it said something like, all we have is all we have. And you're like, oh, kind of live in the moment. All of a sudden you're like, but, like there's kind of a pushback there. Like all sure. we have is all we have is so like defeatist like because we're never gonna have or be like enough we're like we're always gonna be finding those limits and those ends to ourselves and what do we do with that and how do we how do we live past that because i kind of believe all i have is all he is and he's way more than me and so if i'm constantly saying well if i don't have it then i can't do it i'm limiting him that's good I see the phrase Terry and I use all the time is, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, particularly this year. I mean, it's been a lot of, well, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. But that, that's probably defeatist too. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's better Maybe it's better say he is who he is, yeah, as opposed to it is, it is what it is. Yeah, um, yeah you know, that, I, I, I guess probably as we're working through this series, there is a level, and, and this has been a year of this, uh, there's a level of defeatism mm-hmm. uh, sure. that's kind of... Um, at the core of our culture right now. Uh, at least that's my sense. I, I, I get a sense that a lot of people feel like that things are how they are, yeah. that they can't be better. And if the church thinks like that, if believers think like that, then I find it very difficult to believe that God can move beyond mm-hmm. um, in, in a way that he wants to move. 
Can I, so can I use that as a bit of a segue there? Yeah. Because I would say that Elijah had that kind of defeatist oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. perspective there where he was just done. And mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. And um, it would just be better if I was dead, essentially. Right. Um, you know, I feel like I'm the only one who's who's doing this, uh, who's doing this right, doing it the way it should. And, and it's certainly that defeatist of like, well, I've done what... I've done what I could and, uh, and, and that's it. And so, um, but what's really cool about God, right. Is that, that that's not the end of it. It's not like, yeah, God's not like, yep, you're right. It is what it is. And this sucks. Right. Uh, he, he works even in the midst of that. And so what, why do you think he's so defeated after these great victories? That, that is the weirdest part of the story, or it's not weird. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, cause I think we, we all understand it humanly. Yeah. Why do you think he's so defeated? I wonder if it's, if the defeat just comes from pure exhaustion, um, when you're just, when you've been going, going, going and doing this and you, like, you're just feeling that exhaustion, I think maybe it comes through as defeatist and just like, I'm so exhausted because I'm the only one who's doing this the way that you want me to God. And so, which I think is, I love the, I love the imagery of like Elijah is, burnout and exhausted and the solution is like is take a nap and eat a snack yeah, right yeah, yeah. which is just so incredible uh sometimes we i think that we have to do that in our uh in our in our lives in our in our ministry uh, in our service it's just like there comes a point where you just like i just need a nap and i need a cupcake <laughs> um yeah i kind of was thinking he i i wondered if there's also part of this that here he thinks okay He's going to have this big this showdown and there's a fire and like there's got to be a part of him that that thought that the next step the next logical step here was going to be that ahab and jezebel were going to have total life transformations yeah, sure turn away from everything that has been holding like holding them and that they were going to lead israel better and like there's got to be a sense where he is just i, I would say probably feeling totally like let down and confused that these human leaders didn't didn't change like he expected them to. And like almost a bit of misplaced hope, I guess, uh, in the leadership true. of people, which I don't know, feels so uh, relatable right now. <laughs> <laughs> Where this idea that because Jezebel and Ahab did not experience that total transformation, things didn't just night and day switch, that somehow it didn't work or it was wasted. Hmm. Right. I think that's, and I think we do that. I think we have, it's, there is, there's a level of the exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And then there's this level of we're, we're thinking, okay, what will this look like when I'm done? Yeah. 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 And it doesn't. Right. And most of the time it does. <laughs> most of the time it does. I mean, you, yes. you preach a sermon, you, oh you teach a class, you, you interact with yeah. somebody. You know, I, I can't, yeah. you know, I, I've preached sermons on forgiveness and the next week somebody took that as the opportunity to blast somebody. And, you know, yeah. and I'm like, I guess what? What I preach, yeah. uh, uh, you know, that, that's an easy example. But just yeah. in life, okay, yeah. if I do this, then this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it doesn't always work out like no. that. And and when it doesn't, um, you know, I, I I don't think I don't think Elijah's wrong. I think he's just human. Yeah. He's tired. For sure. It's not working out like he expected. Yeah. And he does. You know, I don't think any of us can fault Elijah here. He does what all of us have done, uh, whether it's just go home, turn the TV on, yep. and veg yeah, out. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 
and what you, you said uh, he's he's not wrong he's human and again the solution that god gives is a very human solution right it's not this like spiritual mystical kind of like solution to that problem it's take a nap and eat <laughs> and very human things uh, which i think is is significant uh, it's yeah i think it's eat, so sleep it's so interesting right after that though is when um like god almost just like randomly like appears to him again and is like go and stand on the mountain and the presence of the lord is going to pass by so it's like okay you've had your snack you've had your rest and now i'm going to appear to you and I, I was just now connecting all this stuff sitting here thinking okay he wasn't in the big things the earthquake the fire all this stuff. he was in this whisper and i don't know if part of that would have maybe had to speak to elijah's heart and say okay yeah i came down in fire i showed myself before all the people it might not have changed ahab and jezebel's heart but I was whispering to people in that crowd. Mm. I was appearing in small ways. I am working in small ways, which are yep, yep. really big ways. Yep. It might not have been the, what you expected. It wasn't this big transformation, but that doesn't mean I wasn't speaking directly to my people's hearts. That's right. Well, That's even, right. even in what, you know, that I'm alone, where the fact of the matter was Obadiah had placed how many um, 600, 800 yeah, he had hidden some of them. prophets in, in the caves. And so, you know, God was continuing to move other than what Elijah saw, Elijah yeah. experienced or what Elijah was doing. Yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's a good thing to keep sure. in mind. Yeah. E- even though I think his humanity here, God doesn't berate him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. I mean, in this story, there's that interesting thing that he goes to the mouth of God. And, you know, I, I refer to that in, this, in the sermon. In this time where we need the normal, the normal is not here. And, and so a lot of people, uh, you know, 9-11 happened and, you know, churches were full. People flocked to church. It didn't last very long, but for the first month or two, churches were packed with people seeking answers. Well, here we are in the midst of pandemic and uh, social justice unrest and a, a, a crazy election season and, you know, all these fears people can't, or a lot of people don't feel like they can do the things that they normally would do mm-hmm. to experience God. And so that's a big concern for me. I mean, and I, I think that's why as a church, I, I'm not content with saying, okay, we're gonna Zoom or live stream. And, you know, people need each other. And, um, you know, God, he goes to where he knows God's gonna be. And so I encourage um, those that are listening, maybe you can't come to church, but you can still get on the phone. And you can talk to somebody from a Sunday school class or you know, you can still pray with other people. You, you can still be in God's word. Hopefully we'll be back to church and be doing some more normal things. But find those places to connect with, with God. And truthfully, it's probably going to involve other people. I, mean, I, I know you can go out in nature and you connect with God. <laughs> and I have. Uh, but we need each other. Um, what do you think God asked him twice? Why are you here, Elijah? I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> but as I was reading it again this morning, I, that's something that stuck out to me. Just, I'm like, this is the exact, this is like deja vu here. The same thing happening. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a good answer. Now, see, I think God wanted to say it twice. I think God knew why he was there. Uh-huh. Number one, I think God knew why he was there. Why did he ask the second time? He wanted Elijah to say it twice. Uh, you know, it seems like that. You know, you say you repeat your little, your little 
complaint or lament uh, that that I, I wanted this he wants him to solidify in his mind what he's thinking so that he can see how ridiculous it is yeah oh yeah how, how, how many times has it been so different to hear you say something out loud that you've been thinking in your head and all of a sudden you think well now that I hear it out loud okay I can see maybe where I'm where I'm off track here or I can see how this is ridiculous or I can see like and so yeah having him say it twice I feel like it's just, yeah I want you to I want you to hear again the limits you're putting on me the limits you're putting on yourself and how I could use you I want you to hear again that you are sitting here waiting and wallowing wallowing basically and and I'm about to move I'm about to move now there there's two things in that are a very consistent thread that we see in these two stories uh, the, the one is the small cloud uh, that this the size of a man's hand uh, that creates the end of the drought and then there's the still small voice uh, there, there, there's in this story there's chaos there's conflict between uh, people and Elijah and then conflict between them and their former spiritual leaders the Bell and the Asherah priest there's conflict between um, Ahab and Jezebel and Elijah. There's the, the, the fear of drought. There's the fear, you know, people are dying in this drought. Let's just face it. There's famine. There's people dying. There's all this stuff. There's, there's the chaos in Elijah's heart and mind as he's feeling like he's the only one. There's, there's prophets hidden in the cave. There's lightning. There's fire. There's earthquakes. There's strong winds and all this chaos going on around the story and yet God is moving in these small ways uh, feels very familiar uh, we're, we live in a time of chaos how do you find God's still small voice in the midst of this it's tough <laughs> how's that for a good answer yeah. sometimes I feel like you have to get to that point where like quiet is uncomfortable and you have to seek that discomfort to kind of clear away everything else. Like there's times when I just will sit in my journal and just literally write every thought that's coming to mind until I literally feel like I have just emptied everything that I'm possibly thinking about because I know that all those things swirling around yeah. is really great distraction from, from maybe the things that I should be setting my focus on. Um, but it, it's hard. It's really hard and it's really uncomfortable at times because we just aren't acquainted with quiet. Mm -hmm. The commercial comes on, we pull out our phones to check something out. Like we are Wagon. trying to make the most of every second. <laughs> Crush some candy, yeah. But also distracting ourselves constantly mm. in those in those moments when we could be making the most of, of our waiting season or making the most of our going season. We're just seeking a distraction. I know I saw, and I didn't read the article because I sleep with white noise. I sleep with a fan on. Mm. Yeah, it's just how we, we sleep. But I just saw the headline that the white noise is not good for us. Mm -hmm. And I think you can pull that out. White noise isn't good for us. Constant white noise. And, and I would talk about first and last things. What's the first thing you do in the morning? It is the first thing you do in the morning, uh, check out the headlines, look at your emails, look at social media. And you know what I feel about that. What's the last thing you, you do at night? Is it is it check out headlines? Is it go to sleep with the game on is it is it uh, social media is it is it your emails uh, what if the 
what if we just made one simple change and said, okay, the first thing I'm going to do every morning is I'm going to open the Bible. I'm going to read one scripture and I'm going to say, God speak. What if the last thing you did before you went to bed was, was to open up a scripture, one small scripture and ask God to speak. I think first and last things um, have a, a big impact. The, the way we go to sleep, what's on our mind when we go to sleep, and what's on our mind when we start our day. Um, I, I think God speaks in those moments if we let him. But typically, I, I know, and, and this is me, typically I'm up and going. And I go till I drop. Uh, and, and I think that God invites us to a better way. Yeah. No, I even see that playing out in um, our families and things. Um, we've talked a lot about rhythms and um, kind of ways to make sure that we're making the most of those moments throughout the day. And um, it's interesting to talk about first and last things because one of the resources that I've used a lot talks about, um, talks about your daily rhythm and how like you usually have time with your kids in the morning and usually have time with them at night. And like there's meal time and there's taking them to school, like those things throughout the day, but like almost always you're gonna have moments with your kids in the morning and moments with your kids at bed. And they're like, your role is kind of different in both of those moments. In the morning, you're getting your kids up, you're almost acting as that coach. Like you're getting them ready for the day. You are filling them up with those positive affirmations. You are greeting them. Like you don't you don't wanna get your day off to a bad start. So you're not waking your kid up and talking about all the things that went wrong yesterday. Like you're gearing up, it's a new day. And then at bedtime, they're like, you're almost in the role of a counselor where you're decompressing with them throughout the day. You're wanting to send them to bed with hearts clear, minds clear. And I think about what if we kind of allowed God to have those positions in our lives? Kind of, okay, Lord, today's your day. How do you want me to, how do you want me to use your time? How do you, where do you see, where am I going? What am I doing? Okay, God, today, it was a doozy. Help me process this before I go to sleep. Help me figure out what, what I need to do next. Maybe I'm going to journal about today, but like kind of letting him speak in those places in our lives, the same way we want to speak into our kids' lives. Yeah, our father wants mm -hmm. to speak into our lives mm -hmm. in the same in the same places. That's good. Josh? Any thoughts? No, I, I think it was just a, a few podcasts ago that we, we kind of talked about that. The, the last things, as opposed to social media, and I'm guilty, I... I'm terrible at falling asleep. <laughs> so I just need something to turn my mind off. And so I just, you know, scroll through something. Um, but yeah, the last thing, especially for our, our kids and our teens, um, what is that last thing that they hear? I like that. Well, we get, we go into um, Brother Lawrence, right, writes the book, The Practice in the Presence of God, where, you know, he was experiencing God and everything he did. But, but the reality is what I see in, in the biblical text and, what I see in my life is God works in rhythm. So, so God works through the rhythm of feast days to, to make his presence known. He works through the rhythm of days, you know, it's, it's, and, and it's in those rhythms that, that that rhythm just echoes through the rest of your day. Uh, but, but if you don't focus on those rhythms, the rising and the, the going to bed, the, the meal times, that's why meals are sacred. If you focus on those rhythm times, then you have much of a, a much better chance of experience God in those yeah. other times. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's Deuteronomy, I mean, the, the Shema, Deuteronomy yeah. 6, it's yeah. that um, talk about them when you when you lay your kids down for bed, talk about them when you rise. Talk, it's those daily rhythms of you know, build in those, in those rhythms, build in speaking truth to them. 
Yeah, well, it's so interesting how the Jewish days are even set up where like your day begins with your your meal time, your family time, your rest time, and yeah. it ends with the work. Like, so your day is actually, you're preparing for the work part with your family time and with your rest time. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's so interesting. That's good. Um, he ends this, and, and we'll probably end this podcast with just, just this little idea. Uh, and God says, go find Elisha. Uh, he, you know, you've been, you've been the Lone Ranger. You need your tonto. Uh, you need you need your sidekick to be with you. Number one, you, you need to, to be pouring into somebody that's going to follow you. And number two, you need the encouragement of others. And so as staff, we're talking about where we go from from here, and, and one of the things, one of the ideals uh, that that we're intent on using, probably in January, if, if, if things work as according to plan, is this ideal of better together. That that we are better together. We're not intended to be alone. Um, what do you think is going on with Elisha and Elijah here? I just had a thought, observation, just just now. Um, I Elijah wasn't necessarily alone. Mm-hmm. Right, he had large support, but he he felt alone. He had a servant that then um, he sent away, and he yeah, and, yeah. yeah. But even then, there like I'm just thinking of the, the prophets that were the other prophets. Like he wasn't necessarily alone, but he felt very alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God's solution, though, wasn't a wasn't just go back to the big group. Like a, a, it's 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 one. And so I, I guess I'm just thinking very practically, like we can be involved in our church on a Sunday morning um, where there is a larger group of people um, and still feel very alone and still do it very much alone. Um, what, are those, what are those things that we're doing to have one or a smaller group of people that we are? better together with is that no it makes perfect uh, not, i'm not saying don't come to church right don't come to sunday morning gathering but i'm saying that that's maybe not a substitute for those very small intimate um, particularly in leadership exactly yeah so i'm thinking for myself like you know i feel like there's there's i have one kind of mentor who's who i can that one-on-one like he's there with me and kind of walking through that all of the stuff with me um that without that, like just gathering together on a Sunday morning with the entire church, like is is just not enough, right? And so, what's that? What's that relationship look like? Well, I, I think that's a relationship where you're poured into and you pour into someone else. Yeah. The, the, usually, usually it's uh, usually people don't have multiple people. Usually, there's one or two, mm-hmm. and 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 those settings, usually you're pouring into that person and they're pouring yeah. into you, right. and. Uh, and that doesn't, you're right, doesn't happen on Sunday morning yeah. uh, in, a, in a big group because, right. and I point the same <laughs> uh, because it's just, it's not intimate. Sure. That's not what it was set up to be. Mm-hmm. No, I think there's so much about, especially right now, that can feel so isolating. You can feel like you're just doing it alone. You're trying to get through this alone. And I think it's important that the times when we can choose whether or not we isolate ourselves, we choose to seek community. Like we can't always control all of our circumstances and the things that are feeling so lonely and isolating. But like when we have a choice, we need we need to choose to be together. We need to choose to, maybe it's just one other person that you are comfortable having them over. Just do it. Yeah. I, 
God's prompted you to text somebody right now, don't ignore it. Like, just do it. Just text them and get together because I know that those times when I've been like, oh, I just don't have time for this right now. Um, the obedience that comes out of that, though, is sometimes it's just been so sweet. And that moment and that conversation was exactly what I needed. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Well, I see we probably went longer than we typically do. Because <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, we had to cover two weeks. So, so really, we still have another 20 minutes or so. 20 minutes, yeah. <laughs> All right, buckle up. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just heard like a, a hundred videos clicked on. <laughs> no, I think we're going to close. So. Um, any other thoughts before we close? I just, I think it's, com for me, it's comforting to see, uh, like, the big names in, in the Bible, like the heroes, like Elijah, go through these periods of, of just fe feeling defeated and just like, what am I doing? Because I feel those uh, in, in ministry. I, I feel those. And so it's comforting to me to see those kind of the heroes of the faith uh, that have gone through that same same scenarios. The truth is, if you never feel empty, you're not probably giving out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the truth true. is, if, if you are truly emptying yourself, um, there, there will come, there will be periods where you feel empty. I mean, it's, and, and it's just, it's the reality. It's, yeah. it's you know, we're not in, the, the ideal of being an unending stream, you know, maybe that's what God intends for us. But the truth mm -hmm. is, most of the time, if you give out, you usually will have times where you've given more than you've received. Right. And, and, and sometimes it's out of obligation. You feel obligated. Okay, I've, I've got to do this. Um, you know, particularly vocationally, as you, you yeah. move into the ministry, it's, there's, there's a greater risk of that. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it is part of life. Yeah. And how, how do you deal with those moments? Yeah. You take a nap, you eat a snack, and then you get a friend. Yeah. Exactly. Sounds, yep. Sounds like <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, if you knew you were going to run a marathon, you would be training and exercising and working more towards that. So if you know and recognize, hey, I'm kind of in a season where I'm going to have to pour out a lot, you also need to make sure that you're yeah. you're filling up yeah. a lot. That's right. Yeah. Maybe that looks like resting and eating, but that maybe also looks like, hey, I need to I need to be a little more intentional in in how I am using that margin time in my day mm -hmm. because I'm I'm having to pour out a lot. Yep. This, this is from an old pastors and wife, pastors and spouses, sorry, <laughs> you used to call it different things, but the retreat. And the guy said, the breadth, the width of your ministry can never exceed the depth of your spirituality. Mm -hmm. And and I, I know in my life, there's been times where I've tried to do it where the depth of my spirituality was not sufficient to cover the breadth of yeah my ministry and, and and you know that's just not a pastor thing that's everybody yeah, i mean for sure. if you want to make an impact the depth of your spirituality will determine uh, how much of an impact you make anything else well, i'm gonna close this out in prayer and and then next week we're going to close the podcast by going off in a flaming chariot Woo yeah just wait for those visuals yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's pray lord right now we give you thanks and praise for the story of Elijah. We're thankful, Lord, that you don't leave out the hard parts in these stories. As we work through them, we see people who are up and people who are down. Uh, and to be honest, Lord, as we, we read this story, it's not that big of a surprise to, to see Elijah uh, almost broken at the end of his great victory. Lord, we've all experienced that. I pray now, Lord, that um, we'll find our strength in you that will find friendship with others that we can um, 
allow us to, that will sustain us even when things seem hard. Lord, that we will not be so isolated uh, from others, uh, from you, uh, that we become these silos of, of depression and despair. Be with us, Lord. Be with our church. Help us as we gather on Sunday again. May it be a great day together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless.